Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here this morning. Uh, my name's Marshall. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege this morning to be able to share with you. I wonder if you've ever heard someone talking about having greatly benefited from something, and because of that, they want to give it back. Um, sometimes you, you hear of sports people talking about receiving a lot from the sport, and so they want to, they want to give back by, by coaching others or somehow giving back to the sport. Maybe it's a musician who has benefited greatly uh, in being able to play the violin or the piano, and now they want to give back. They want to give back uh, to what they have received. Hearing stories like that can be heartwarming, uh, that people out there want to respond generously uh, when they have received. But when the stakes are higher and that generosity become, comes from those who give in a way that actually changes lives, then it can be truly powerful. Um, like refugees who feel blessed by people being generous to them and now they want to make a difference in other people's lives. I uh, just want to give you a couple of examples. This is Keenan. In this photo, he is helping refugees arriving by boat on the island of Lesbos. He lives in Belgium, but he used to be a refugee from Syria. And this is what he says. I did this because I myself am a refugee and I know this feeling very well. Now it's time for me to give something back. Many refugees were surprised, but they were happy at the same time when they found out that I was a Syrian. They are my brothers and sisters in humanity. And this is 17-year-old Ferdow, who escaped Boko Haram's violence in Nigeria and now volunteers with UNICEF at a camp for displaced people. This is what she says. She says, her experiences motivated me to become a volunteer in the camp. We engaged them in various activities to keep their minds busy, like drawing, playing games and music. Children are slowly forgetting their past and memories. See, these people had a sense of gratitude for the way that they have received, being rescued, loved and having received grace and mercy. It's a powerful motivation for us wanting to be generous back from what we have received. And that's the background that uh, we read about that's motivating the people that we had in our reading from Philippians, from this very poor church at a place called Philippi in Macedonia, north of Greece. You see, they are responding to God's generosity to them in bringing the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for them. They are resp responding by partnering with Paul in his ministry, praying for him and supporting him financially. So today I want to spend a, a little while exploring this generosity of the Philippians and what Paul says about it and relate that to the things that Pete talked about last week. Remember, Pete talked about our vision uh, for SWEC. And, and this is kind of part two of, of Vision Sunday. 
And we'll be particularly focusing on the issue of financial giving. Something we don't talk about very often at SWEC, um, but it's an important aspect of our ministry. I'm not going to talk about it primarily in terms of giving to the church, as important as that is. But I'll be talking about a specific application in partnering with our mission partners and a way that you can think about giving to them financially. Giving generously is an outworking of what Pete talked about last week with head, heart, hands. The idea that we respond in practical ways to the truth that we know in our heads and we believe in our hearts. And that leads to action with our hands. And you remember Pete talked last week about the idea that at Twerk we are partners and not passengers. And partnering financially in gospel work is an outworking of that too. That we all have a role to play as partners. The work of taking the gospel to our community, to our country and to the nations is a team project. No one can do the job by, him, by themselves. Paul, the Apostle Paul, as, as amazing as he was, he couldn't do it by himself. And we can't do it by ourselves. We are part of a team, regardless of our geographical location. And we all have a role to play. That role involves prayer, encouragement, and if you are financially able it will probably also involve financial giving. So that's the direction we're going today. Why don't we pray as we come to God's word. Father, we thank you for this letter to the Philippians. We thank you for what it tells us about partnership, partnering in the gospel and the role that we can play in that. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word today. Challenge us, convict us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as usual, I've got three points today. And the first one is that the gospel is teamwork. Gospel work is a team sport. A bit of background firstly. So Paul is writing to this church in a place called Philippi, as I mentioned. He had planted the Philippian church a few years before he writes this letter. And now he's moved on. He's moved on uh, to other ministries and now he's landed himself in prison. Paul is writing from prison, either from Rome or in Ephesus. And Paul is writing to this young church in Philippi who are doing really well. They've been growing as a church. They have become an example to other churches for the way that they are standing firm in the gospel. So Paul is writing to encourage them. They are a huge source of encouragement to Paul. They are praying for him and they are also supporting him financially as a missionary. In Philippians 1, Paul makes it very clear that the Philippian church are part of a team with him 
and that they all have a part to play in the ministry. So let's pick it up in verse 3, chapter 1. I hear, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. They're in a partnership. What's this partnership involve? Well, firstly, it involves prayer. Paul in chapter 1 goes on to talk about how thankful he is for the way that the um, Philippians have faithfully been praying for him and his ministry. He says how the gospel message is going out to the guards of the, who are holding him prisoner. And he encourages the Philippians by saying how much their prayers has helped him in his ministry. Let's pick it up, jump down to verse 18. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So the Philippians have been praying for Paul, praying for his ministry, as he talks about Jesus to his jailers and to others. And it's not just an empty gesture. He really believes that prayer matters. It makes a difference. He needs prayer. He needs them to be on his team. Praying for them. And friends, here at SWEC, we, we believe the same thing. We, we believe that prayer, it's not just a token exercise. That's why we persevere in it. Earlier, Steve prayed for Chandai, uh, our missionary family who are in France at the moment. And each week we pray in a different way for our mission partners. Next week, as we kick off our prayer meeting um, before the service, every week we pray for our mission partners because we believe that we are part of the team and that our prayers matter. Our mission partners need our prayer. We need to be praying for them. Secondly, Paul's gospel partnership with the Philippians involves the church sharing the gospel as well. It involves them, as well as Paul, proclaiming Jesus as part of the team. Let's have a look at verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Jump down to verse 30. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had 
and now here that I still have. So what's going on here is that Paul is describing the Philippians doing the same work of sharing about Jesus, proclaiming the gospel as he's engaged with in jail. The Philippians are doing it in their church situation. They're they're striving as one for the faith. And verse 30 that Paul talks about there, the struggle Paul is talking about, is the spiritual battle that we are engaged with when we share the gospel. Paul and the Philippians are in this together, doing the same work of the gospel in different contexts, contexts as part of the same team. Now, we haven't got time to deep dive into this today because I want to land on the financial aspect of partnership. But just to say this, in Philippians, Paul is showing that the ministry of the gospel sharing the message of Jesus is a team sport where everyone gets to play, not just the missionary, not just the pastor, Not just your elders, but all of us have a role. We are all partners in the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. We're not just spectators who sit on the side and cheer the others on. We're not just passengers. We're all in this. We all have a role today uh, to play. Now, today, as I said, I want to focus on the role of money in gospel partnership. So I want to flip forward to chapter 4 that Kathy read out, the Philippians, and look at what Paul says about the Philippians giving. And that's our second point. Paul's message is that giving blesses the giver. So he says in verse 10 that the Philippians have revived their concern for him. What's happened is that the Philippians have given to Paul in the past, but for one reason or another, possibly because of communications, because Paul's been out kind of out of contact, they haven't been able to give to him for a while, but now they've renewed their giving to him. They're now in a position where they can give to him. They used to support him in the past, but now they're renewing it. Paul reminds them of this history of giving in verse 15. He says, when he left Macedonia, no one supported him except the Philippian church. Then verse 16, even when he was in Thessalonica, which is another city in Macedonia, where Paul started another church, The Philippians sent aid to him while he was in Macedonia. More than once, he says, when I was in need. So they had this history of giving and now they're renewing their giving to Paul. Now, before we go on, I just want to, uh, just a sideline, just a word about Paul's policy when it came to money. It's very important that we notice that Paul only accepted financial support from a church after he had moved on from that church. So in other words, while he was working with the Philippians in Philippi, 
He never accepted financial support. It's only after he'd gone to Thessalonica and then other places. That's because Paul was very clear that he never wanted anyone to pay for the gospel. He never wanted anyone to pay for the gospel. And that principle, I want to stress, is just as important today. At SWEC, we never, ever, ever charge for the gospel. You don't have to pay to hear me preach. You may not want to pay to hear me preach, even if you did, but you don't have to pay to come to church. You don't have to pay to go to community groups. You don't have to pay to do anything. We want to offer the gospel absolutely free of charge. We freely give because Jesus has freely given to us. When our church members give, when our church members give to support SWEX ministry, they aren't paying for a service. They're not paying to hear a sermon or anything else. They are giving because they are freely choosing to support the work of the gospel going out freely to others. And so the Philippians here are freely choosing to support Paul taking the gospel to others. And what's interesting about what Paul says about their giving is that it isn't just because he's in need that he's happy that they've renewed their giving. Have a, let's pick it up in verse 11, four, chapter 4, 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the, the circumstances. Paul doesn't need them to give to him, but it's because it's the Philippians that benefit from the act of giving that Paul is happy about them giving. Verse 17, he says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. In the ESV, it's translated that the fruit, the fruit that increases to your credit, that's what Paul wants for the Philippians as they give. You see, the idea is that while the act of giving may read as a debit to your bank account, in God's economy, when you give, it actually works as credit. How does that work? I'm not talking about some crass idea of God giving us more money back than we give. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It's talking about gaining spiritual benefits. What kind of spiritual benefits? I want to briefly touch on two areas. Firstly, giving is freeing. It frees us from enslavement to financial security. You see, money can have a grip over us. You might have experienced that in your own life. Think about the story, we won't turn to it, but the story of the rich young man who asks Jesus what he needs to do to enter the kingdom. He's a guy who's 
pretty, pretty serious about following God. He's done all the right things. He's obeyed the law. Um, he's, he's done that since he was a boy. He's done all the right things. Then Jesus tells him to do what? He tells him to sell everything and give it all away to the poor. But he can't do it. He can't do it because he's wealthy and his money has a grip on him. It's a spiritual grip. He can't part with his money. He's enslaved by it. But when we begin to give generously, sacrificially, it can break that grip that money has over us. It helps us to stop fretting over worrying about losing out, losing what we have. When we start to give it away, paradoxically, the less we have, the less we actually worry about holding on to what we have. The less we have, the less we worry about holding on to it. Secondly, giving helps our heart to be in the right place. Think about the way that we use the word invest or investing in something. Um, it, 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 it's taken on a wider meaning than just money, hasn't it? I think it's we, the way we might talk about, um, I'm really invested in that relationship or I'm really invested in my job or, or that hobby. It means that our heart's really in it, doesn't it? We, we really love it. We, we, we're passionate about it. Um, I'm invested in it. It's really important to me. And, of course, it comes from the idea of inv uh, investing money, doesn't it? It captures the reality that when we invest money in a project or a cause or whatever it is, we care about how it turns out, don't we? Because our hard-earned goes, goes in it. We're interested in the effect that our hard-earned money has as we invest it. We care about what happens to our money. Jesus captured it when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6 in the context of telling us not to store up treasures on earth but in heaven. That means to invest in God's kingdom, to be generous with your money towards God by supporting gospel work as well as helping the poor give to the needy. And as you do that, your heart will be centred on those priorities. Your heart will change from being tied up in your house or your car or whatever it is to what you give your money to. If your priority with money is investing uh, in your house or planning for that big holiday, then that's where your heart will be. That will occupy your time and your energy. But if you're making a priority of generously giving to our mission partners and the ministries of SWEC, your money is going to help lead your heart. You're going to care about those ministries bearing fruit. You're going to care about what God's doing through them. 
the way that you're using money then becomes a blessing to you as well as those who are helped by it. I want to give just one recent example of SWEC members doing just that. Uh, at the combined Christmas dinner that we had at the end of last year with the Mandarin congregation, uh, we, we let people know about a need we had for this Ministry of Food um, initiative that, that's starting up in a couple of weeks where we're giving food hampers away. We said that we needed a new fridge for that, for the church. Uh, we said it's going to cost $2,000 as well as um, extra costs. Without naming names, without hesitation, four young lads put up their hands and said they'd buy the fridge plus costs between them. We were so encouraged by that. Now we bought that fridge. It's due to arrive this Tuesday. Generous giving for the kingdom. Okay, so we've seen that the gospel work is done as a team and that God blesses the giver. Our third point is that the giver receives abundantly. Let's come back to Philippians 4. Paul has just told the Philippians that he seeks for them to be blessed through their giving uh, that we saw in chapter, verse 17. Then he goes on to say that he has received abundantly himself, having more than he needs as a result of the gifts the church has given him. And then he ends off by saying this in verse 19, chapter 4. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, similar to what we were saying before, this isn't some crass message of God uh, making us financially rich when we're generous. There are some churches who preach that, aren't they? Aren't there? We often call it the prosperity gospel, uh, where it talks about us, if we follow Jesus, he'll make us healthy, wealthy and wise. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what Paul is talking about. He says that God will meet our needs according to the riches of his glory. Nowhere does the Bible promise a fat bank account or a big house. But what we have is an assurance that God gives us what we need. We don't know exactly what that might mean financially. But what we can be confident of is that Jesus provides a life that is rich and abundant in the things that matter. Satisfaction, purpose, a sense of being part of something beyond ourselves. Jesus isn't going to abandon us. And so what this means is that I can trust him to look after me. When we choose to give sacrificially, even to the point that might make us a bit uncomfortable and we start to worry about our bank account, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, following on from that passage about Treasure in heaven. 
says in Matthew 6, 25, let's read it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And so the message is, give joyfully, willingly, sacrificially, and trust in your heavenly Father to look after you and provide for you and give you a life infinitely fuller and richer than a life consumed by worrying about storing up the things that we have on this earth. I want to finish by giving us a concrete way that we can apply what we've learned today. There are many different things we could emphasise when it comes to giving, but as I said at the beginning, I want to talk about giving as part of our partnership with our mission partners. We call them our mission partners, of course, because they are, we are partners with them. As I said, we are part of the same team. We are in mission with them together. And a crucial part of that partnership, as we've been talking about, is financial support to enable them to keep doing what they're doing in their contexts. Now, the way that, that SWEC has supported our missionaries is twofold. One, a number of you as individuals support them directly. And that is fantastic. Two, SWEC, uh, as, as a church, um, supports them as part of our budget. Um, a number of years ago, we came up with a policy of supporting our mission partners 10% of the church budget. Now, that has worked pretty well until recently. It has been pretty adequate to cover their needs. But over the last year, or probably a couple of years, a significant gap has emerged between what we can give from the global missions budget... Uh, that 10% of SWEC's budget, uh, and the needs of our mission partners. Uh, so just to illustrate, let me give you um, some figures. Um, so the global missions budget, budgeted for this year um, from our SWEC budget, is $46,000. Um, now, just to be clear, this goes nowhere near to meeting all of our mission partners' total budget. They also have other churches supporting them. And as I said before, they also have individuals supporting them. Uh, this is just SWEC's contribution uh, to, their, to their budget. Uh, as you can see um, in the figure underneath, they have a combined needs that is much greater. So there is a significant shortfall so if you can't read it, the combined needs there of our mission partners is 86,000. Uh, this is from SWEC, let me clarify. This is what they need SWEC to contribute. 
Uh, at the moment, SWEC is only contributing 46000 So there is a shortfall, as you can see, of $40,000. Uh, and so we just cannot meet that from our budget. The budget just won't stretch far enough. Plus, uh, add, add to the picture that, so this is just 2024, God willing, we are trusting God to send more missionaries uh, in, in the years to come. And as you can imagine, that figure, that deficit is just going to blow out, that shortfall. Um, more missionaries means more money. Uh, we just simply not going to come near to be able to provide for them out of that 10% SWEC budget. So, a solution, a way forward that we've come up with is that we want to give you the opportunity to give to our global mission through a pledge system. Now, let me say, um, right from the beginning, there is no compulsion with this. Uh, if you're giving already, um, you, you, uh, you can think and pray about whether, whether you can give more. If you can't give more, that's totally fine. We really appreciate what you are already giving. So there's no compulsion here, but we want to give you the opportunity to think and pray about the option of whether, whether you would like to contribute uh, to our mission partners. So starting today and running for the next month, we're going to have a system where I'll show, show you the form in a minute. Through an electronic form, you can pledge an amount. It's calculated annually. So think of a, uh, whether you think of it monthly or, or annually, think of a, uh, an annual amount that you, between you and God, you would like to give to our mission partners. Uh, and then we would ask that you fill in the form, put down the amount so that we have an idea. Now, let me stress, we are not going to chase you up on that. There is an option on the form to get a reminder. That's an opt-in. You don't have to do that. Uh, but either way, we are not going to chase you up. Uh, you are accountable between you and God. Uh, we are not going to hold you accountable. But it's a faith pledge um, that you can uh, choose to um, choose to give uh, if God puts that on your heart. On your heart, a hundred a hundred percent of the money that comes in will go to our mission partners. We're not going to skim off ten percent or, or something for admin fees. Uh, it will all go to where you want it to go. Um, now, you might have 100 questions going around in your head. Um, I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions now. Um, please talk to me or Jeff or Bill, who are on the missions committee. Uh, feel free to, to uh, pester us with your questions uh, if you would like to find out more. Um, so in a minute, I'm going to put the um, pledge up, oh, sorry, put, put um, a QR code as well as a, a link uh, to the form. Um, and we will have that, as I said, for the next month. So over the next month, 
starting today, think about whether you would like to give to this mission pledge over this next year. I'm going to get the band. Oh, uh, let me pray, then I'll get the band up. And our response, our reflection time today will be for you to spend, uh, I'm just going to give a few minutes for you to think and pray and start thinking about whether God would have you respond by giving to our mission pledge. So let me pray. Father God, we thank you again for the challenge you've given us from the model that the Philippians were in their partnership with Paul. We ask that you would challenge us about our giving, our giving to the mission fund, our giving in general. And we ask that you would show us whether you would want us uh, to give specifically to the mission fund. We ask that you would uh, help us to yeah, have your wisdom and to uh, think through this. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll get the band up, but as I do that... Here is, the, um, here is the link. So you can use a QR code or the link is go.sweck.org.au forward slash giving global, give global. You can take a photo of it or go to it now uh, and start, um, have a look through it, have a think about it. Don't rush, got a month. You can fill it in today if you like, but uh, no need to but start thinking about that.